the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John. As Jesus walked along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned. He was born blind so that God's work might be revealed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made mud with the saliva and spread the mud on the man's eyes, saying to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. Then he went and washed and came back able to see. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar began to ask, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some were saying, it is he. Others were saying, no, but it is someone like him. He kept saying, I am the man. But they kept asking him, then how are your eyes opened? He answered, the man called Jesus made mud, spread it on my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. Then I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, where is he? He said, I do not know. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. Then the Pharisees also began to ask him how he had received his sight. He said to them, he put mud on my eyes, then I washed, and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not observe the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who is a sinner perform such signs? And they were divided. So they said again to the blind man, what do you say about him? It was your eyes he opened. He said, he is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but we do not know how it is that now he sees, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he is of age, he will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that anyone who confessed Jesus to be the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, 
He is of age, ask him. So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind, and they said to him, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, I do not know whether he is a sinner. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have told you already and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? Then they reviled him saying, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, here is an astonishing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but he does listen to one who worships him and obeys his will. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, you were born entirely in sins, and are you trying to teach us? And they drove him out of the synagogue. Jesus heard that they had driven him out, and when he found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, and who is he, sir? Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said to him, you have seen him, and the one speaking with you is he. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. Jesus said, I came into this world for judgment, so that those who do not see may see, and those who do see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard this and said to him, surely we are not blind, are we? Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would not have sin. But now that you say, we see, your sin remains. The Gospel of the Lord. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. One of the intriguing aspects of today's gospel story is the fact that Jesus appears only at the beginning and at the end of the story. During most of the story, Jesus is neither seen nor heard from. At the beginning of the story, Jesus cures a man of his congenital blindness, and then Jesus exits the scene, leaving the man, his parents, and the Pharisees with the task of interpreting what has just happened. At the center of this gospel story is not the physical healing itself, 
but it's interpretation. The Pharisees, the man born blind, and his parents are faced with the same objective fact that this man has been physically healed. The question is, what will they do with that empirical fact? How will they interpret its meaning? Initially, the man himself puts no interpretation on his healing. He is asked, how are your eyes open? And he responds, he put mud on my eyes, then I washed, and now I see. It's all very matter of fact. Both the man and the Pharisees could, at this point in the story, develop any number of interpretations to explain the objective fact of his healing. What we see happen as the story unfolds is a widening split between differing interpretations of the same event. The Pharisees take a legalistic pathway. They begin with the law of which they are authorities. It's their bailiwick. Their default way of looking at the world is through the lens of the law of Moses. Jesus broke the law by performing an act of healing on the Sabbath day. Therefore, Jesus is a sinner. Therefore, whatever he did could not have come from God. End of story. The man born blind, on the other hand, does not begin with the law. He begins with his own experience. From the moment of his birth, he had never been able to see the face of his mother, see a sunset, or see the beauty of a flower. Then along comes a man who spreads mud on his eyes, and for the first time in his life, he sees. Now, you would think that the fact that a man born blind can now see would be a source of ecstatic joy for the whole community. But that's not what happens. In fact, no one in this story is rejoicing with this blind beggar who can now see. Not the religious leaders, not even the man's own parents. What is wrong with this picture? St. Paul instructs us to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. But no one is rejoicing with this man. No one. You imagine yourself in this man's shoes. You were born blind, lived your whole life without being able to see, having to beg to survive. And then suddenly you can see, and nobody is happy for you, not even your parents. Now it seems absurd that a negative interpretation of an amazingly wonderful event 
can overshadow the event itself, even cause it to be pushed aside and forgotten. And yet, the interpretation of this event, the spin, becomes the all-important focus, not the life-giving event itself. The Pharisees are so mired in their legalistic mindset and in their vaunted roles as upholders of the law that they cannot rejoice with a man who, for the first time in his life, can see. The source of this objectively wonderful healing of a man whom the Pharisees is a man whom the Pharisees oppose. The source of this wonderful healing is Jesus, whom they see as a violator of their sacrosanct laws. And since the source is bad, the healing of this man born blind becomes problematic. And so they, in essence, ignore the healing and put front and center their judgment that Jesus and this man are both sinners. It seems to us so absurd. And yet, my friends, I think we can see the same dynamic at work in our modern world. Our world has become so polarized, so black and white, that we cannot entertain the possibility that those whom we oppose, people who hold different views than we do on such matters as abortion, sexual orientation, immigration, gun control, vaccines, wearing masks, members of the other political party, what have you. We cannot entertain the possibility that anything good can come from these people. For an example, a president, and it doesn't matter which political party the president happens to be a member of, a president sends emergency aid to a part of the country devastated by floods or hurricanes or wildfires. And as a result of that aid, hundreds of people are rescued, given emergency shelter, medical care, clothing, and food. Some of these people have lost everything to that fire or flood or hurricane. And yet, some members of the political party opposite that of the president, rather than being happy that these people are getting needed relief, rejoicing with those who rejoice, instead pour all their energy into loudly criticizing the president because he didn't visit the flood or hurricane zone soon enough, or he could have done something better. The focus is not on the desperate people whose lives are being saved by the emergency aid. Rather, the focus is on criticizing the source of that aid. It's all about the spin. Because that president was born into a family of a certain political party, in the mindset of some members of the opposite political party, he was born totally in sin. And therefore, nothing good could possibly come from him or her.
earlier in John's gospel, Philip, who believes Jesus might be the Messiah, seeks out his friend Nathanael and excitedly tells him, we have found him about whom Moses in the law and the prophets wrote, Jesus from Nazareth. And rather than sharing Philip's enthusiasm, Nathanael responds, can anything good come from Nazareth? Today, the question would be, can anything good come from fill in the blank with whichever person or group or political party you oppose? The gospel writer John has a genius for storytelling and a fondness for irony. In today's gospel, the irony is that the man born blind grows in spiritual sight as the story progresses, while the Pharisees, who as religious leaders should have seen the hand of God behind the miraculous healing, the Pharisees end up being the ones who are blind, spiritually blind. Episcopal priest and podcaster Drew Downs notes, this is a story that should be a celebration, but these cynical protectors of the faith offer an inquisition. John Shea comments, for these Pharisees, God is not a flow of life into people, but the maker and enforcer of laws. The man born blind will not play the Pharisaic game of divine laws and human lawbreakers. He will be loyal to his liberation, faithful to his experience. He remains open to seeing the presence of God and the hand of God at work in the world, experiencing the flow of God's spirit acting in and through his life from whatever source it comes. At the beginning of today's gospel story, Jesus' disciples encountering this man born blind immediately look for someone to blame. They asked Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? But Jesus will have none of this blame game. It's not an issue of interpreting every life situation in terms of good or bad, righteous or sinner, us or them, my party or the other party, who is to blame, Jesus responds. Neither this man nor his parents sinned. So stop looking for someone to blame and start seeing how God's works might be revealed in every situation in life, through every and any person. We must work the works of God while we can. I am the light of the world, and I must shine that light into every situation and every person I encounter. I don't have time to look for someone to blame. My friends, 
I fervently believe it is the mission of the church in the midst of a culture which increasingly sees everything dualistically, in or out, for or against, us versus them, this party against that party, who can we blame? It is the mission of the church, our mission, to refuse to enter into the Pharisaic game of denigrating, vilifying, labeling, dividing, shunning, excommunicating, and ignoring inconvenient truths that might challenge our self-created worldview, ideology, or political position. Elsewhere in the Gospels, Jesus tells us, you are the light of Christ. You are the light of the world. Let your light so shine before people that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. It is our mission, my friends, to be the reconciling, healing, restoring, whole-making ambassadors of Christ to a dualistic, divided, partisan world. It is our mission to be Christ's light to a world that is often dark. Our mission to see with 2020 vision, Christ's love and light radiating in the most unexpected, even inconvenient places, and having seen to rejoice. <laughs>